0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, we Catholics, of course, are very accustomed to speaking of Mary as our Queen. It has, of course, uh, the Old Testament roots, because so many things of the Old Testament uh, provide as it were those types and prefigurements which find their fulfillment in the gospel. And so uh, we see indeed that after the death of David and Solomon became the king, and the king indeed who who built the temple in Jerusalem, his mother Bathsheba therefore became the as it were, the Queen Mother. This is still, you might say, a title that's familiar among the the British who are fond of the Queen Mum, as they say. So it's uh, not unusual then, of course, that in the fulfillment of the line of the Kings of David, that there should be eventually, in the fulfillment of the prophecies, the arrival of the King of Kings. Who did not construct a temple, but is the temple. And his mother too, in the same fashion, as Bathsheba was the Queen Mother. So too the mother of the Lord is the is the Queen. Your custom as well, of course, of honoring her and the in the various feasts of the church and the praying of the rosary. Obviously, when we pray the glorious mysteries of the rosary, we, we commemorate, indeed, the, the crowning of Mary as queen of heaven and earth. There is a understanding, uh, an ancient understanding, that the uh, Latin phrase is uh, orandi, lex credendi, the rule of of. Prayer of worship is as a rule of a rule of faith rather as a rule of prayer and worship, and that the the two have a, a interconnection if you will between the the prayer and the worship of the people and what we believe, and from them both flow you might say the piety of the people and the devotions. So there is a sort of a doctrinal understanding of Mary as the Queen, and then there is the devotional understanding. How could it be any other way? Because a mother is not simply a doctrine. The mother is always a movement of the heart. Her title, of course, which we address this evening, is the Queen of Apostles. So having understood, of course, the Mary as the Queen, we now should seek to understand why it is she is Queen of the Apostles. Now it's good to know as well, as a matter of simple fact, that our Lord gathered among himself, around him, many disciples. Disciples are students. And from the many disciples he chose the twelve. These twelve he also called apostles. Apostles means simply those who are sent. So our Lord then, over a period of some three years, having selected among those various disciples, these twelve apostles formed them into the gospel. He formed them, of course, not only by his should we say, his teaching, but also by his signs, his miracles, and by his very person, being in his presence, was formative. Now, we know, of course, as well, that the role of Mary and God's plan of salvation is instrumental, that at the very beginning, as God's plan unfolded, he selected Mary even before she was as it were, she was conceived and indeed this is the very feast for which we celebrate this octave that the immaculate conception of of Mary indicates the, the first unfolding you might say in time and in history of God's plan of salvation for mankind coming to fruition. Then the significant event of the Annunciation where Mary receives the message of the angel that she is to be the mother, the Savior, and conceives within her womb the King of Kings, the Word made flesh. The birth of our Savior then manifests, indeed the King of Kings, witnessed to by the wise men from the East. Finally, of course, the culmination of God's plan of salvation is manifested in the, in the great Paschal mystery, the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord. In all these instances, of course, the Blessed Mother is present. Indeed, at, right to the very end at the foot of the cross. And then, during those 40 days after the Lord's resurrection, she was with them, and certainly witnessed her risen son, along with the twelve. Or, should we say at this time, the eleven. Then, after the Lord uh, ascended into heaven, he directed his apostles that they should go to the upper room, that is, the cenacle, the very place in which he had instituted the Holy Eucharist on that night before he died. Now at the Last Supper, of course, uh, the Blessed Mother was not present. For such an event was the institution of the priesthood and of the Holy Eucharist. And so by in this Holy Night, then, our Lord instituted the priesthood, and he appointed his, the Twelve to be his first priests. Mary, of course, was not a priest. Nevertheless, Upon the instruction of our Lord that after his ascension they were to gather in the senacle and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Mary was present with them for this first novena. Now you know a novena is nine days of prayer, and there were nine days in which the apostles were to pray in the upper room, awaiting the coming of the Holy Spirit. And with them was Mary as well as others. So during these nine days, it can be understood, of course, although it's not much is spoken about this in the Scriptures. It's passed over without much elaboration. It must be understood that in those nine days, this would have been the most intimate time that the Blessed Mother spent with those apostles. And as In the prior three years, our Lord had formed a close relationship with his apostles. Now, upon his suffering death and resurrection and our ascension into heaven, their attention would naturally have focused very much on the Blessed Mother who had borne the Savior in her womb, who had nursed him at her breast, who gave him instructions as a child and to whom the Lord had been obedient. And indeed, the tradition of the Church reveals for us that sometime during this period of time, that the Blessed Mother had revealed to the Apostles, or perhaps to St. Luke directly, those intimate details which only she would have known, and which the Evangelist recorded in the Gospel. In these means, then, the the very important role by which Mary served as a, a sort of a further witness to the apostles. Witnessing to them those many things which she alone knew because of her intimate relationship with her son. Now the church has long spoken about Mary Magdalene being the one who was close to the Lord in his ministry, the one who had gone to the tomb early on that Easter Sunday morning and seeing the tomb, the stone rolled back and beholding the Lord was the first to reveal to the apostles in the upper room that the Lord had arisen and that the church has always considered her, as it were, the apostle to the apostles. She, of course, was not a priest, and so the term apostle is used... Uh, uh, in a different way, you might say, but in the very true sense of the term, that is, one who was sent. And so, too, Mary, the mother of the Lord, can be understood in a similar way. She was, indeed, sent by the Lord himself to be in the upper room with uh, the other apostles. And so she was, uh, in that time of prayer, those nine days of prayer, an example for them. Pope John Paul, St. Pope John Paul II refers to that that time in the Cynical, before the the coming of the Holy Spirit, as a particularly precious time in which the, the full character of the Church is most fully, as it were, laid out in God's plan. That the prayerful attitude of the Church expressed in the life of Mary And then, as it were, the hierarchical aspect of the church expressed by the other apostles, primarily, of course, with Peter as the chief of the apostles. Where, of course, uh, at the cross, the Lord had left that instruction to John that he was to see and marry his own mother and she was to see in John and, by extension, the other apostles, her sons therefore mary's role is is enriched shall we say since she is indeed the mother of the lord now she becomes the mother of the apostles and she is indeed the queen of heaven and earth and the queen mom she by extension as well becomes the queen of the apostles Well, those are some of the, you might say, sort of deducted ideas, if you will, or a little bit of inquiry into the notion of her role as and her title as Queen of Apostles. It didn't arise in the early church. Indeed, it it is one of the earliest uh, titles of Mary, but it didn't arise from a deductive reasoning. It arose from the faith and it was nurtured in piety as all the other titles of mary have developed in the tradition of the church as we reflect and upon that great mystery of the savior the word become flesh the church has naturally begun to inquire and reflect and meditate upon the that mysterious role of mary a human person chosen by God to be the mother of the Savior and the Word made flesh. The mother of God, the mother of the Savior, the Queen of heaven and earth. The first to lead, truly, the apostles in that first novena awaiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. So, the apostles prayed with her, and they certainly benefited by her her prayers. And so do we. Mary, Queen of the Apostles, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.